Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the world famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Call Jiggy right now. 267-22-JIGGY. Presenting Jiggy Jaguar. Oh, it's a hell of a day today. It is the world famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. We are getting things set over there on our uh, television side. We're going to put this up on our website, JiggyJaguar.com. I'll tell you that Chris that that Christmas intro it it does not last long. Uh, we are gonna we are gonna cue things up here uh, on our on our program. We've got some uh, some cool guests coming up here in just a few seconds. In fact, let's go to Muhammad the, uh, the same, but we're not going to be clever. Martin. There we are. <laughs> I'm using I'm using their definition. Allah promises the, the in the Quran. Again and again and again, that he is pro-Israel, pro-Zionist. Okay, we've got. And I have it in chapter and verse. <laughs> we're 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 back. We've got IQ Al-Rizoli, uh in IQ the middle. The in the, he's in the middle of a tangent. I hated to cut him off, but uh, <laughs> we've got. Uh, we've also got Dan Perkins, best-selling author, and of course our good friend Don Mazzella, also a best-selling author, and on the telephone. And I'm going to do her justice by reading Richard's intro here, which is always so entertaining. I always love Richard Kurtz over there at Strategies PR, and uh, Donna Carol. Voss is going to be with us here in just a few seconds. She, of course, is a true 21st century woman. She's evolved from her pagan and radical feminist days at Berkeley through 20 years of corporate life and a decade as a dedicated parent to become a conservative woman of faith and carefully chosen words by choice and by chance. She's the author of a personal memoir and political manual. Donna has also shared her considered opinions on The Blaze, Huffington Post, The Federalist, radio and television across the country and around the world. Her latest book is Hail to the Chief, 10 Questions to Ask Every Oval Office Candidate. It's a cross-party must-read for every voter that wants to put thorough thought behind their vote. No candidate for the White House should ever elude these questions. However, with that over, she is embarking on a new book. Uh, Donna Carol Voss is available at DonnaCarolVoss.com. And uh, Donna, welcome to the broadcast. We've got Don Mazzella, Dan Perkins, and the uh, always shy IQ Al-Rizzoli. And uh, <laughs> now, Donna... Um, before we get into it with these gentlemen, tell me about um, your latest project that you're working on, and then I'll let Dan and Don and IQ ask you about it, and then we'll talk okay. about North Korea today as well as some other things. Don't me, because there's all kinds of craziness out there where lifelong friends are saying, I'll never speak to you again because you voted for the wrong candidate, or, you know, crazy, crazy, crazy. So a friend of mine who is gay, liberal elite, and I am conservative Mormon, stay-at-home mom, uh, we have nothing in common, except that we both have husbands, and we do not see anything 
politically the same. So we're going to go out there and write a book and start a movement and tour college campuses. It's going to be called Don't Unfriend Me, Civil Discourse, Not Civil War. And he and I are going to do a really creative kind of multimedia presentation and in the, in the e-book of how you talk about things like abortion, religious liberty, gay marriage, uh, gun control, all the hot-button topics. And we're going to show that we can challenge each other, we can get hot under the collar, but we can stay respectful, we can disagree agreeably, and in the end, we can still be friends. Don, I'm going to start with you, my friend. Uh, what do you think of this concept? Well, it's a good one, and God knows we need it. Um, I w wish her good luck on it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, um, I'm of the opinion that uh, the nation has moved um, to, uh, instead of talking to each other, shouting at each other. But I wish you well. Um, how do you intend, my question is, how do you intend to do it? Do you intend to sit down and uh, sit there and record it or uh, write uh, take a, a series of questions in each run. I'm curious how you're going to uh, write it, because it sounds like a fascinating project. Oh, it is, and we just make it up as we go along. So the first thing we do is uh, we have a, a video podcast of just us on Skype uh, kind of starting the, the debate. And then we have the written part, like I think they put out on my radio show as an audio, or the book part, or even on our, our we'll have a website for this, where we'll take turns starting like I just wrote a really impassioned article about the flag the American flag being removed from Hampshire College so he is going to go in and in a creative way like you would really having a conversation he'll be reading along my article and then he'll say okay Donna and, and in, in the book will be like a little text bubble or something I just have to stop you here I don't know how you can say that right then, then he'll kind of have his argument and then I'll come back and respond to him so it'll be like a conversation but organized in such a way that it's you know, we're not shouting at each other. There's actual value to it. But, yeah, it's not, just, it's not just boring reading. It's literally the points that strike each other, that strike us, that we want to respond to. And then, clearly, there will be points. Like, he already made me think of something about the flag that I'd never thought of. So in this course of uh, speaking to each other, getting empathy for each other, we'll be able to say, hey, I never thought of that. Now I understand that better. Thank you. Or we may say, oh, I still don't agree with you at all. But you know what? At least we're still friends. Okay. Well, how, 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 uh, one more question, to, yeah, uh, Jiggy, if I may. Uh, how are you going to deal with this past election, which everybody will be talking about? Well, that's exactly why we're doing it. And the first chapter is called Sore Winners and Sore Losers. So I'm writing about the sore Hillary losers that need to take their ball and go home. <laughs> and he's writing about the sore Trump losers, excuse me, sore Trump winners who are gloating and thinking somehow he's all puppies and sunshine and it's all going to be wonderful from now on and so we're each you know writing about the point of view we have that is critical of our counterpart and then we'll kind of work out in this back and forth do we have any commonality you know at the end i'll have to say something about the sore winners as well because it's embarrassing and he'll have something to say about the sore losers on his side so it really is like friends having a conversation dan you want to jump in there my friend how deep do you want me to jump? <laughs> I always love when you say stuff like that. I see Don. He just gets this big smile on his face on the other side. Go ahead. <laughs> I uh, First of all, as, as an, an author of multiple books, uh, I understand the process, and I understand how challenging the process is. But um, 
and I mean no disrespect to your talent or your ability or your idea. Um, I have some I have some fundamental problems of, for example, if I was your publisher, how in the world am I ever going to sell this book? Um, and let me tell you what what the problems I have. Some of them we don't have time to do all of, them, but just I'll give you just one example. As as the as the Democratic Party has segmented the American population into silos of people with certain positions, black, Hispanic, lesbian, gay, transsexual, uh, all those silos, they have created over the last eight years, I believe, a greater divide uh, within our country and and that segregation of people based on racial or ethnic or philosophical lines is common, has been common with the Democratic Party, but exaggerated under Obama. When a person is, uh, loses his or her job because he or she makes a contribution to a political cause and is criticized by the left to the point that the company that he or she is working for is in serious danger of going out of business because of that particular reaction caused by people who believe in our country today that I'm right and I don't give a damn what you say. You don't have any right to say anything because I am the authority. So the, the idea of dialogue, look what's going on on our college campuses. I got involved in the civil rights movement in the late 60s in Columbus, Ohio. Because separate but equal didn't work in the Columbus public school system. And I was part of the Central Ohio Civil Rights Council who filed the lawsuit to desegregate the Columbus public schools. Here we are now in college campuses across the country, blacks are asking to be segregated in dorms and in classes. We have the idea that we are driving these wedges that are separating us. Uh, if I heard you right, or I heard Jim right, you want to take this concept to college campuses across the country. Yes. Uh, you got You got to be ready for pies, tomatoes, oh, eggs, and everything else, <laughs> and all kinds of stuff that's going to come flying at you, both physically and verbally, because I don't think you would be tolerated on the college campuses oh, I know today. I won't. In fact, what, that's why my partner, uh, he is going to be the entree, and we've made a deal that he won't go, just like Frank, Frank Sinatra wouldn't perform at the Sands unless Sammy Davis Jr. could perform and have a room there. My partner won't go without me being able to be brought along. I may need a bodyguard, but I get it. I understand there's not going to be a lot of receptivity. But the things, I, I agree with everything you said, the division, all that, but there are people out there who are just aching for a way to tamp down some of this craziness. And if nothing else, if nothing else, if we give a sense of hope or possibility that, look, it can be done. You don't have to be crazy. You don't have to cut off your sister forever. I, I really do think there is a... a 
a group of people out there. I just think any, almost anybody who's upset now about the election, and we're not going to stop with just the election. There'll be the Supreme Court decision on transgender bathrooms. This is going forward, you know, indefinitely, where in a quick sort of, you know, one location place with two personable people, if I do say so myself, knowledgeable, he's an attorney, uh, had a, studied the London School of Economics, has a master's in government, I have an MBA, I went to Berkeley. You know, we have, we have what to, to contribute to our points of view and just kind of lay out the different um, positions why we think the way we think. Oh, now I see why that's important to you because you have that different value. I just can't see anything but value to this. I really can't. I'm not saying there's not value to it. I, I suspect that, that the academic environment, um, uh, in, I have a new uh, design on my website, and on the top of my website, it says, political correctness is not always correct. And we've got all these crazy decisions that are based on political correctness that uh, are, are stupid and should never have been done. And hopefully Mr. Trump can reverse them. But I, I, I think that political correctness has caused all of the problems, in many of the problems in Europe, caused a lot of problems in the United States. And people are hardened in their positions. You cannot talk to a person about global warming and tell them that according to the U.S. Geological Survey, the polar ice cap hasn't shrunk in 100 years. And if, if Al Gore said it would all be gone by 2017, they're not calling him a liar. They're just saying, well, it was, it's, it's been postponed. So there's all, all of this, all of these various things. You know, should let me clarify the should, model. It's not about us talking to people that don't want to listen. It's about us talking to each other. We do want to listen. So even if no one wants to, like someone that does not agree with me, at least they're listening to the conversation between us, and vice versa. So if nothing else, if nothing else, the the accessibility of of civil debate is brought closer to everybody. Because you're right. You know, my friends aren't going to read Mother Jones, and his friends aren't going to read The Federalist. But if he and I read those two, and we discuss from our points of view, and people are interested in us, which they would have to be because we're so interesting, uh, it's, mm. just, it's just a fascinating environment. I think it will be intriguing, and people will at least be drawn to listen a little bit. I'm not saying it's going to change anyone's mind, but come on. I mean, I'm not willing to give up and say, too bad, so sad, done, over. You know, when, when, when you sit down as an author to write a book, one of the things, one of the first things you have to decide is, who are you writing for? Who is your audience? Yeah. Who Who is your audience for this program, this book? Uh, for probably thirty to seventy in the U.S. would be interested in the book, the ebook. But then there'll be you know a video channel and a radio podcast and a website with a Dear Abby type column where people can write in and say, Hey, you know what? My brother-in-law won't speak to me anymore because X Y Z. What do you think? So it's just a whole. It could be a whole movement. And I don't know if you know this, but I'm, I'm a published author. I've published two books. So I'm, I'm very familiar with the, the process and all of that. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just very exciting. And you may be right. You may, it, it may not work at all. But I just have a great feeling about it, and we're going to try. Now, IQ. But, but you, uh, uh, go, go, go ahead, Dan, and then we'll let IQ jump you, in. You said your answer to the, the question when I said, who is your audience? You said 30 to 70. Every author could say that about every book. But if you uh, hone in more specifically about your audience do you write for 35 to 55 males females income education because you're you're saying 30 to 70 is such a broad that's brush in, in this um, case, that's accurate 
Pardon? I understand what you're saying about demographics. I understand that in segment. But I'm saying in this case, it is such a universal, ubiquitous problem that almost anybody could be drawn to it. And when you say 30 to 70, are you in, are you intentionally leaving out college students no, in their 20s? The college, I think the college students are going to be less likely to uh, turn to an ebook, although we're doing it in such a way that there's cartoons and textbook bubbles. And so I think it'll be, it'll be a quick read, which will be interesting to them. But we have other media for them. We have the YouTube channel. We have the radio podcast. We have you know, okay. whatever appearances we make. Okay, good. Thanks. Now, Jim? IQ... Well, thanks, for your, thanks for your comments also, because it really helps me to think it through. Now, IQ, what, what do you think about all this? It's an excellent idea. Whether it will succeed or not, we will find out. But at least somebody is going to try. Now, we've you got... You know me. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't do what she's doing. <laughs> because I'm, I'm too blunt. <laughs> I would go for the jugular in five seconds. I know yes. you would. We, we, we all no know doubt about that. How true? How true? <laughs> now, uh, I want to I want to start here in, in our in our next segment here with uh, with Dan. Um, that there there is, uh, and I know IQ's gonna yeah, have some thoughts on this. Uh, Dan, are you still there? Can you hear us? Yes. Okay. Yes, I can hear you now. Now, yes. uh, th- there, you you have a uh, a topic you're going out and speaking out on television and radio programs about after Obama the oil war is over and America has won. Give me your thoughts on this, and then I'll, I'll let everybody uh, jump in and, and and give their two cents on it. Okay, I I in on Thanksgiving Day of 2014, just about two years ago, while we were sitting in our homes having our Thanksgiving turkey or tofu or whatever it is we were eating. <laughs> um, uh, I just got up and went over and looked at the markets, and I saw that the price of crude oil was down almost $5 a barrel. And when I looked at uh, I'm trying to figure out why, well, it so happens that um, the OPEC ministers were meeting in Vienna, and they decided that they were not going to cut production. And I looked at that and I said, why? I don't understand why they're going to cut production. Two days later, the, we- the weekend after Thanksgiving, they said they needed to defend their American market share and they needed to put the American oil frackers out of business. And I was probably one of the first people in the country to write and have written about it numerous times over the last two years. And I've written what the implication of that decision was in terms of the implication of the financial destruction of OPEC as a as a power. I mean, it's hard to believe, Jim, that Saudi Arabia, which has uh, significant oil reserves, uh, is finding itself reaching a point that it has to sell assets in order to be able to pay its bills. Venezuela is, the people are leaving Venezuela, Jim, because there's no food. The people are starving. They're leaving. One of the largest deposits of heavy, sticky crude in the world. But there's nobody there to process, run the refineries. Nigeria just had a major attack on its pipelines. It is not a consistent producer. And on and on and on. The International Monetary Fund said early this year, if crude oil stays in the price range that it is now, between 40 and $50 a barrel, Saudi Arabia will be bankrupt in three years. 
Russia will be in bankrupt by the end of 2018. The overhead to run their countries and the diminishment of these countries that were so dependent upon crude oil has almost destroyed OPEC. So in September, the ministers began to realize that they didn't kill all the frackers. They killed some. They didn't kill all the frackers. We continued to drill. We have we have 460 rigs drilling in the United States today, where Saudi Arabia has 15. Uh, so we're continuing to find oil in the United States and will continue to find oil and natural gas because under Mr. Trump, we're going to open up the spigots and we're going to become energy independent. And my prediction is, Jim, America will be energy independent, meaning we will not need to import any crude oil by the end of 2018, if not sooner. Wow. So so OPEC is now in a, in a, a rock in a hard place because... America is becoming energy independent. The Congress a year ago next month lift the ban on the export of crude oil and finished product out of the United States. So now American oil companies are beginning to try and compete against OPEC in the open market. The American frackers, Jim, have about a $27 to $28 on average cost to find oil uh, in the United States. Yeah. Uh, and and many of the Middle Eastern countries are and Russia are in the seventy to eighty dollars a barrel. So they're not generating enough revenue. They're cutting back on the services. Saudi Arabia has cut back dramatically on all the free stuff they used to give their people. And so what happened here is that that tomorrow there's a meeting in OPEC. There's a lot of discussion. Will they agree to the production cuts or not? Um, the market sold off a little bit yesterday or Friday, but it's now back up again. I think what's going to happen is that OPEC is going to realize if they don't do something about production, they're not going to be around in three to five years. There will be no power because they will, there will be nothing that will be there for them to do. And as a result, America gets control of the oil markets on a global basis. So here is a war that was declared on us by Islamic people, both Sunnis and Shias, to try and destroy the American oil industry. It has failed. We didn't put any boots on the ground. No soldiers lost their lives. No civilians lost their lives, at least from American standpoint. And the oil cartel is in such a, a, a disarray that it could literally become non-existent. Wow. Dan, uh, heck, heck of an analysis there. IQ, what do you think about all this? Uh, and Jim, you can your listeners can pick up that analysis on the Daily Caller today. IQ, what 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 do you think about this? Because because you're that, that that's kind of your backyard, the Middle East and everything. And then we'll go to Don, and then we'll go to uh, Donna Carol Voss on this as well. <clears throat> Sounds like music to my ears. <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly believe what he's saying. Because there's no question that Saudi Arabia is now taxing its people and charging them for water facilities, for electricity, and for gas. No question about that one. And they're cutting down on expenses. They have a problem. There's no question about that also. But the details that Dan has are fantastic. No more comments. Yeah. Uh, One other piece, Jim? Yes. Saudi Arabia is coming to the public equity markets where they're going to sell off a portion of their oil reserves to the public market. 
they need the price of oil to be stable because if they they bring this offering and the price of oil drops and and the investors are really bent out of shape because they've lost so much money Saudi Arabia will not be able to come back to the debt markets or the equity markets to raise money they will be in serious wow. problem so Saudi Arabia needs a stability in crude oil prices in order to survive Don what what, what do you make of all this well, you know, I've had the advantage of having thought about this for a while because Dan talked about it. it, it, it it's uh, good news. Uh, uh, another factor, I don't know if you, uh, I know Dan is aware, that for the uh, last month was the first month that we were a net, net exporter of natural gas uh, in, the, in the United States. All of this is going to give the, uh, President Trump the president of B. Trump, um, a, ver a very uh, strong hand to deal with some of the problems of the world. However, to me, the, the number one issue is the debt. I mean, this debt is uh, reaching. Uh, uh, what um, I, I have the figure someplace that Dan. I know Dan has them at the tip of his tongue, but um, our debt is now, twenty trillion. Yes. What does it represent in terms of the GMP? Oh, it's about 105 percent, and uh, you know th that starts to border into uh, third world uh, numbers. That's yeah. that's something that uh, uh, pre uh, Trump is going to have to deal with, and it's going to severely curtail um, the uh, what they said. The oil it's a ter terrific advantage for America, but right. to me, uh, the issue is the debt. We've got to deal with that debt. And unfortunately, now, it's going to hit us all. Yeah. Now, Jim, following up what Don's talking about. Yes. Uh, the, uh, they just announced two things. They just announced that they found 93 million barrels of oil in a, in a field in West Texas that's never been tapped before. Yes. 93 million barrels. Now, let's go back to Don's comment about the, the debt, which I think is a, needs to be under. Needs, education needs to be told. I think we lost Dan. I can't hear him. There we are. No, Dan's Dan's muted his headset somehow. <laughs> well, while, while while he gets that figured out, Donna, what 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 do you think about all this that the, that that the that the guys are talking about here? I come at it from a somewhat different place. I think that the debt and uh, fossil fuels actually go together beautifully because, like. As Dan said, 93 million barrels have been discovered under Texas, and we're just so oil-rich and so fossil fuel-rich, and I think it's ridiculous, personally, to try to curb it, like, oh, it's only going to last for 100 years, 300 years, so what? I mean, necessity is the mother of invention. Solyndra's not going to succeed now, because it's all done with, I don't know, like, theoretical hopefulness. When you yes. have nothing left, when you have nothing but whatever you can come up with because your fossil fuels are gone... There'll be something quick and good and, and efficient. I Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No 
Purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.